What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the I'm Getting There podcast. It's your host, Michael Booth, and today I'm here with first-time guest on the show, comedian Matt Goopser. Just had a comedy album come out called Before He Was Famous. Uh, go to his profile, at Matt Goopser on Instagram, for links to that. Um, this was a cool conversation. You know, I've seen his name around and stuff for quite some time, and uh, I've heard stories about him, so it's cool to get to talk to him, and I felt like it was a, a good conversation, and... Um, and I, you know, was able to take some things away from it. So that was, that was pretty awesome. Uh, so yeah, go follow him, go check him out. And also if you can follow the podcast on Instagram at I'm getting there pod, all one word, uh, I post links to, you know, the guest profiles and anything that they have going on on that page as well. So if you want to find stuff for previous guests and things like that, you can go to the Instagram page. And also if you can subscribe to the podcast, whatever platform you're on. Um, and if that happens to be Apple podcasts, if you wouldn't mind hitting those stars and leaving a review as well for the show, would appreciate that a lot. And I got some private content for people that want to support the podcast. You can subscribe to that in the tip jar description link in the bio. Uh, lowest donation to have access to that, I think, is a dollar a month. Become a recurring member, get access to all that stuff on the Pinecast. I have some old comedy up there, like audio recordings of that. And uh, that's where all my solo episodes are now. So, you know, go. Uh, Go check that out. Go, you know, subscribe to that. Support the show. And uh, thank you for listening. And enjoy this episode with Matt. saying that you grew up in like the Salinas area. I wanted to kind of start there because I'm not I'm not from the area myself. Like I I moved here from Washington like 4 years ago. And so Okay, what part of Washington? Uh like Tacoma, like kind of like south of Tacoma area. Okay. And uh when when you told me you were from Salinas, it it just it like um i was like oh that's you know i always i'm always curious about the area because i like people that are from there grew up around there and like notice the changes because what i know of it is so different than what people tell me and what the perception is in like the california area i guess and so like it's like like how long did you how long were you there like when did you like go to high school and stuff there or like no i lived there until i was about 10 and then i moved uh to an unincorporated County of Salinas called Prunedale. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, uh, I know Prunedale. Yeah, yeah. So I I went to high school in Prunedale. Okay. And lived in Salinas again for like a year in my twenties, but uh, I don't even have any family down there anymore. The closest I have a cousin who lives in Watsonville, and that's the closest I have. Okay, nice. So everybody's. No connections to Salinas at this point anymore. Has it changed a lot from what you remember it being, or? Yeah, it was just. Uh, I mean, uh, a lot of the housing developments built in the last twenty or thirty years just used to be fields. Oh, okay. So the, the city's just expanded. I don't know that the the uh, character of the city has changed that much. Like there wasn't really. There's never really been a lot going on in Salinas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a it's an agricultural town where John Steinbeck was for a little while. 
Yeah, like when when I ask people to do my show, they're always like, "What? what Salinas? They're like, there's people down there that want to like see comedy, and they're like, yeah. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it, we, we like last night's show was actually really fun. Uh, we had like a pretty good turnout. We 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 finally got like the last month. I think we had the green light to go back down into the basement of the bar, and so That's and great. so it's been it's been cool being down there again. Where? Where is the public house? Where is that? So it's in it's in Old Town. It's like you you know where okay. the Steinbeck Center is. It's like mm-hmm. the first bar right there on the corner, like street, like 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 okay. right across. Um, and so it's cool. Like there's just the parking garages right there, so it's you know super easy and. Yeah, great. I've I've never performed in Salinas. <laughs> yeah, ex- I've been doing it for twelve years. I've never done a show in Salinas. Oh, damn. Well, yeah, well, I'm, gonna, I'm excited to have you have you come down uh, to do the the public house soon. Uh, I know. I speaking of doing it for 12 years, I saw that picture you posted or, or re-tagged of Sam Weber at uh, at Rosie McCann's, I think. Um, oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was I like seen a couple other things posted like that recently of like throwback like photos, and it's like. It really gives you kind of like perspective, I guess, when like you you like know because I you know hanging out with Sam and know Sam and uh, and getting to meet more people like yourself that have been doing it for like a lot longer and like have these photos mm. and stuff. It's just like it's really cool to see. It's like these like it's like these snapshots of these like nights that are just like you know from so long ago that uh, yeah. it's it's just cool. It's like it was like a I was still looking at it like holy shit like. He's he looks like a kid. Yeah, he's such a yeah. baby. <laughs> How long have you been doing comedy? Um, I've been doing it for a little over three years now. Uh, I okay. started in 2018, and uh, I started doing it in Monterey actually. And there was like a a mixed open mic that I would go to, like a music and uh, kind of like poetry place. Is that the East Village? Yes. Yeah, that's the East Village. Yeah, I've I've done that one. I did that one a couple times real early on like i probably it's like 10 years ago when i just when my parents still lived in salinas okay. uh, if i was down visiting that was really the only thing that was going on anywhere yeah yeah that was the <laughs> and i think during the pandemic the it transitioned to new ownership and my okay. understanding is they're kind of waiting i think to get their i think they're waiting to get their liquor license or something to be able to do really? the comedy or like the open mic again because i think they just can do coffee right now i'm not sure yeah. of the details but i think that's what i think that's what's going on for that to open back up but there's actually it's really cool there's actually an open mic every friday now in salinas and we've been able, a couple of people have been going and doing comedy there too where's oh so where's i it was it's this it was probably i think it was called rollick's coffee place for a while and it's now it's bearded bean and it's kind of in that like old town strip like i think it's like up the street from dubbers a little bit so it's on south main also and that's been really cool so they've been doing that for like the pat like i think for a couple months now just having like an open mic every friday that's great yeah um yeah the only comedy i ever remember happening in salinas there was um I think there's some stuff that used to happen at the Fox Theater every once in a while, which is also on South Main. Yeah, they. I think Felipe Sparza is doing that 
in a couple months. Yeah, and there was the first time I ever saw live comedy. I was a kid. Was it the Sherwood Sherwood Hall? Is that what it's called? On I don't know where that's at. Uh, I think it's on South Main. But it's this big auditorium that's, you know, seats several hundred. Okay. I saw a Christian comedian there named Mike Warnke, who is awful. <laughs> I mean, it's funny when I was 11, but I've watched some of his stuff as an, as an adult, and it is so bad. He was famous. Like, he was famous in evangelical circles. He would tour and do all these shows at churches. Oh, wow. <laughs> put out, like, 10 albums. It's so bad. That's crazy. <laughs> he was so he was a famous author in the in the eighties. I think it was the late seventies. He wrote a book called The Satan Seller, where he had claimed that he had been this satanic high priest and like had all these power. Like he basically said he was a wizard and then he found Jesus and turned his life around. So he sold that book and he would do this huge you know, this is back during the, the satanic panic of the eighties. So there's a video of him on YouTube where he's just telling the most basic, the hackiest street jokes. And then he transitions into graphically describing <laughs> a girl being ritually mutilated oh my God. by Satanists. Just, <laughs> it's like, what are you putting right now? He just goes back to like, knock, knock. So then he, then he goes to give me money. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. <laughs> that sounds crazy. <laughs> Uh, you just put a, I think a few weeks ago, right? You just put a, your second album out. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I guess like two, almost three weeks now. Yeah. Nice. And that, and I was reading on what I think what you had up on your website. You said that that was you had recorded it before the pandemic. I think right. Way before I recorded it four years ago. Oh wow. Yeah, it, was, it seems so long ago. Donald Trump had been president for like three months when I recorded this. But I, I was just gonna say, and you were just, uh, um, you were just like holding on to the to the material, or like was it just um, you were like waiting for the right time, or what was the? No, so I, I used to run a, a weekly show in San Francisco. Okay. It was in a residential basement, so it was this tiny little space that they were just using for storage and we cleared out the storage and we, we would get like, you know, we'd cram like 40 or 50 people in there every week. And it was like, it was a great show. It was very intimate, like a great vibe. Some of the, some of the most fun I've ever had doing stand up was in that room. Nice. It was crazy headliners in there. We had, we had Taylor Tomlinson in there. We had Eddie Pepitone oh, in wow. there. We had, you know, uh, Mike Kaplan, Louis Katz, like all these guys that are, you know, headline, you know, comedy clubs and theaters all over the country mm-hmm. convince them to come into this dingy little basement for <laughs> not nearly enough money. But, um, it was a, it, it was just a fun time. Like it was a good vibe. And I, so I shot my album there and I really wanted to capture that vibe, but uh, it's such a small space that, you know, when you're performing, the front row is sitting literally three feet in front mm-hmm. of you. Like, it, there's no room. It's a tiny, like we were breaking fire codes, I'm sure. Yeah. It was, it's just so small. 
Uh, and so what I didn't think about at the time is but when you have a space that's that tight, then the people who are sitting in the front row basically become part of every shot. Mm. So, and the problem was that the three people directly in front of me were not laughers. They were smiling. <laughs> so I would tell a joke. And they would just. You would hear 50 people laugh, but you would see the backs of three people sitting perfectly still, like they were not reacting to the joke at all. So after we did the first edit, I was like, man, that, that really bothers me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like it's going well, but it doesn't look like it's going well. And I don't know if anybody else would have even picked up on it, but watching all the footage back, like it bothered it's like me. All you could notice, you're like, man, we have to we have to re-edit this to minimize this this primary camera angle that we use for like 50 percent of the shots. Like I want to minimize that as much as possible. When that happened, like my editor was just, he's like, yeah, I I see what you're saying, but like. You could tell that, like, he had completely lost enthusiasm for having to redo everything he had just mm-hmm. done. So it just sat for like a year. It sat for about a year. Um, and then uh, eventually, I think I, like, I kind of messed around with it here and there, but I didn't really go back to it completely until the pandemic started. I was like, well, I can't do comedy. I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck at home. So I just sat down and just did a, a full edit from start to finish oh nice and about through that edit i was like you know i don't know if i can make the video work i don't know if i'm going to make it look like what i want to work, look oh, like no. so i just dropped video and just focused on getting the audio done just to get it out there so it's it's really about me being like a a finicky artist and then uh and not being happy with what i was putting out so it just sat for way too long it's ridiculous to sit on an album for four years. Well, and like I mentioned before, Trump had been president for three months at that time. So there's like probably five to ten minutes of political jokes. Oh, you're just talking about it's like it's like right when it was like a hot thing too. Yeah, and uh, after like sitting on it for, you know, after it's been four years, like I'm re-editing it after he's, you know after Biden has just been inaugurated, I was like, man, is this, is this still going to work? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think it was, it was broad enough. Like it wasn't tied to any specific incident. Oh, okay. So I think it was that it still, you know, translates a couple of years later. Nice. Well, and it's, yeah. And it's cool too. Cause you know, that material, you're probably not touching that material or telling that material anywhere anymore. So it's like, it's sure. cool to, you know, be able to, get that out there and have something you know out there then you have a bunch of new stuff that when if people like that want to come see you it's like you know they can yeah these are all jokes that i i probably stopped telling all of them about a year after i recorded it you know it's sort of it takes a little time i i really like ideally i wouldn't want to do any jokes after they've been recorded but uh you know it's hard to start from scratch so you kind of end up you know, just working in all the new material and slowly weaning yourself off of the old stuff. But these are all jokes that I haven't told in probably three years, and you kind of for uh, a lot of them I've kind of forgotten about. <laughs> but it's interesting to look at yourself too at that time, and like you sure. know, you're analyzing, it, looking at it so closely. It's probably like 
did you get any did you get any like ideas from it while you were like editing were you like thinking of like oh that could like or like any like uh you know things you're like oh i wish i had you know like i wish i would have done i bet there was uh it's like hard oh, sure. to you know sit there and do that there was there was one bit that i did that i kept doing for like a year afterwards like i said uh and it got so much better oh no <laughs> that i kind of forgot how rough the early version was like it's funny it's still funny mm. but i'm like there are like eight tags that aren't in that aren't on the recording like it just got so much better nice <laughs> i remember i did a show the night after the recording and i just changed one word like i changed uh, I forgot what it was, but I remember walking off the stage at that show and looking at my girlfriend. I'm like, man, that new word is so much better. And she's like, yep. <laughs> it's, it's a little frustrating. It's kind of, uh, I think Rodan said this about sculpture, that a sculpture is never finished. It's only abandoned. And I think comedy is sort of the same way. Like you could keep, you, you can keep tweaking a bit forever. Like you can write a bit and it's, Six years later, you're going to come up with one new tag. Mm. The matter of saying, no, this is enough. I want to talk about something else now. That makes sense. Yeah, I feel like a special is like when you kind of get almost like tired of telling the material. That's like something I've heard other comics say when they like, or when they're doing podcasts, you know, like promoting the special and stuff. They're like, like, how did you know it was time to make a special? And it's like a common theme that you hear is like, we just got tired of kind of telling the stuff or like it just felt like the right time like it's it's like what you said like it just felt like time to abandon it i guess you know and like move on to the next thing um yeah it's like yeah it's almost like you know dealing with like uh with like being upset about something you know it's like eventually you just have to like let it go like forget about it like you know kind of like just can't let yourself just be like always you know like a similar thing a lot of the a lot of the enjoyment i think most of the enjoyment that i get out of stand-up is the it's the problem solving of of new material figuring out all right here's the thing that i want to talk about you know sometimes that problem solving solving is really sort of figuring out your own feelings on a topic like like what do i really think about this mm-hmm. thing figuring out how to communicate that in a way that's entertaining and in a way that keeps people interested and people who don't necessarily agree with you, who don't necessarily have the, the same opinions and all that challenge. And then once that's solved, like once you figured out how to do that, it's not quite as exciting because you don't have, you don't have that, uh, that anticipation of this could still go really badly. Mm-hmm. Like when you, okay, here's the jokes. This is how this works. If it doesn't work, then I go this way. Like once you know all the paths, it's like it's not it's not as much fun. So for me, you know, once I've got that, once I've got all that material figured out, like it's it's time to you know get it down and uh, move on to new stuff. For sure, I liked what you said there about knowing all the paths and stuff, and like, uh, like do you find? I feel like sometimes it's like there's like a there's like the the easy the easy way to go like the easy path to the, like the laugh and the joke and then there's like the mm-hmm. part where like you feel like you want to take it like it's like your it's like basically like you're almost like you're trying to like speak like this message or something or whatever um like do you find yourself like 
trying to go towards like the message that you want to put out there like the majority of the time or is there like like I always wonder like how often should you go for like the easy thing that's like what you know everybody's gonna laugh at versus like what you want to uh I don't know how to explain that really but that's I like I think about that idea sometimes because it's it feels like it feels like there's just like this like uh, yeah I can go up and I can like like there's like the topical stuff, you know, you can try to like play into this thing or you can like, it's like, well, this is what I'm really thinking about really like wanting to push out there and be funny with. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's an issue that every artist has had in the beginning of time is how do I balance doing what I want to do with doing what other people want to pay me to other people are, you know, how to, how to like, get across your own vision mm-hmm. uh, and still, you know, have it be something that's consumable by people who are, maybe don't care. They just, they don't necessarily, I mean, for most of us, most of us are never going to get to a point where they're going to put your name up on the marquee and people are going to come buy tickets because it's your name. Yeah. They're never going to get past the point where people are just coming to shows because they're like, oh, it's comedy. I like comedy. So that's that's a tough balancing act because, I mean, venue owners would much rather have people who are not going to be have strong points of view. So we're just going to be out there, you know, saying what everybody's thinking. And there's their entire genres of comedy devoted just to that. Yeah. People want to have their own ideas and their own beliefs. Uh, sort of bounce back at them because that's not, you don't have to think very hard when somebody agrees with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think that, I mean, there's, it's, a, it's always a balancing act. I, for me, I think the easier stuff and the more personal stuff are uh, not personal. It's easier stuff tends to go in the beginning because it's a, an audience is going to trust you more to uh for you to take them to the the direction that they may not necessarily have thought they wanted to go Mm -hmm. in establish some credibility with them if they know that you're funny if they trust that if they know a little bit about who you are uh you know once you've got that equity then they'll give you a little more room to play i mean depending on the venue and you go to a rowdy bar show you like you're just trying not to drown sometimes (laughs) Yeah, it's, that is that is true. And also what you said there, too, about the stuff going, like, yeah, you, like you want to win them over to take them. I noticed that last night uh, watching some people perform. It's like that I've noticed that kind of arc, like watching like uh, like longer sets. It's like, okay, yeah, you mm-hmm. want to get them to kind of into your way of thinking so that you can take them on these, like, these, like places that you, they didn't think they would go, like you said. Um, and that's... That's like really awesome to watch too. Like when like comedians like especially people now like I like watching uh like Andrew Schultz and like the and like Krista Stefano and some of these guys like these New York guys cuz I feel like they are really good at that. Like they'll mm-hmm. they'll kind of get like aggressive with the audience if they're not on board and like it's uh like I I just I haven't been able to like it's just like that seems like really ballsy too, you know, just to like 
like we, come on guys like you, you really gonna like you really gonna pull back now you know like it, it's <laughs> like you gotta you gotta really believe in what you're saying i guess yeah i think so i mean it's like you were saying once you get into longer sets when you're doing you know 20 30 i think for me like 20 minutes is where you start having to think about like thematically like what is this set doing like what am i starting with what's in my middle what's my ending like up until that you're just kind of like especially when you're doing five ten fifteen minutes a lot of times it's just like here's a bunch of jokes yeah it doesn't matter if there's any sort of through line or narrative or anything like that and then once like once you get to a point where you're spending more time with those people then it's it's kind of important to let them know who you are to establish your your identity with them establish your point of view so they have some idea of what to expect i mean it's kind of like a it's like a first date like you just kind of let people know hi this is me this is what i'm about let's go have fun that's true no boy yeah Yeah, it's like the uh i wonder what the tinder would be of comedy like it's like the the screens pass up on stage and you have to swipe like the audience swipes right or left and then you get a perform or not like <laughs> like that's the that's what gets you up on stage is your you have like a bio and like <laughs> that would be interesting maybe your set length is determined by an audience swiping right or left at each joke like if a joke goes well oh, like buys you-, <laughs> you have to like wait for it to get- <laughs> that would be brutal <laughs> It's just, it's just swiping. Yeah. Oh man. (laughs) You just have somebody left swiping your whole set. You're like, come on, who is this one vote? Like, (laughs) that would be that'd be interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Just somebody in the back. They're like, I don't, I just don't like you, dude. (laughs) Sometimes that happens. Sometimes people just don't like you for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Have you? Uh, have you traveled outside of like California to do um, shows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I performed in. Um, it's mostly been out west, but like fifteen or twenty states, um, and then British Columbia and Alberta. Oh, nice. So, during portion of Canada, um, but that's it. I haven't really traveled much outside of North America for comedy. Is it like, I was asking somebody else this on the podcast too, because I'm just just curious because like going to a different town and doing a set, you notice the differences in like just the people from, you know, city to city, like what they kind of what they think or what the comedy's like, uh, like, and what they told me about going to different States, a lot of it is what we talked about earlier about like kind of winning them over and like introducing yourself, kind of getting them on board with you. And have you like been to a place where you just kind of had like really no idea how you were going to get them to get on your side? Like you just were looking at this crowd or the people or the place and you're like, man, I do not fit in here. Like I like what am how am I going to you know, I'm, I'm always I'm curious about that because that just feels like a lot of pressure and a lot of like just like holy shit i hope this you know i hope that it, like they hope they like me you know this just seems like it's not my not my place <laughs> yeah i feel like that all the time <laughs> <laughs> there are sometimes there's stuff that you don't think about like i remember one time 
it was in California, but it was in this little town in the foothills. Uh, and I was talking about walking my dog. And they were, like, it wasn't doing well. And then at the end, I remember somebody in the audience saying, man, we don't even have sidewalks here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. But, then, like, it reminded me, like, just that comment reminded me of how different it was. Like, I grew up kind of in the country, mm-hmm. in the country, and now I live in the city. Not the city, but I live in a city where there are, you know, dog parks and you're picking up poop with plastic bags. And it's a totally different experience than when I, you know, had dogs and the kids in the country. And it's something that I completely forgot about. So I, like, that that difference kind of made its way into my act as, oh, like, this might not be everyone's experience and it didn't used to be my experience so like i it's a way of really comes back to the thing where people say you know i can i can be funny in front of my friends but i couldn't be funny on Mm -hmm. stage reason for that is with your friends all know you and they understand you and you're coming Uh, from yeah around and you have common experiences they are you your point of view is already established with them Mm -hmm. the strangers none of that exists so you have to take that time to build up that frame of reference so that they can understand you. And yeah. that, that takes a time. That's right. Like, yeah. And like you were saying, no, oh, I was going to say, that's like, you're like, it makes sense. Like you're saying, this is not in my experience, but it is now like you're, you're trying to show like you're, you're showing them like, look, I'm like you, but I'm also doing this other, like, this is my thing too. Like I, I'm, you know, I, I understand you guys in this thing, but I'm over here and this is my, kind of take on this and it's funny because of you know the whole juxtaposition and stuff yeah you're trying to find sort of the universal human experiences in in things that may not necessarily be universal to, to other people's lives and especially like you were saying when you're traveling to you know some small rural town you're in Nebraska or Texas or something and you're this guy from California and sometimes that's something that you have to address like you know it's like uh, you know when comics go up and they talk about what they look like because that's people's first impressions of them that's what they're thinking mm-hmm. about a lot of it initial jokes or statements are about your personal experience personal uh, appearance because you're especially if what you're going to say is at odds with how people are going to perceive you then you have to address their perceptions to just to sort of bring their perspective over to where you want it to be yeah like in california you know this is what you think of me this is what's different between here and idaho or whatever you know just sort of acknowledge that those you know or maybe even a little tension there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of people especially in small towns, especially more rural states that do feel a resentment towards California based on what they've been told about California from conservative news sources. So, I mean, that's, so they're just looking at, they're looking at you like you're some crazy leftist weirdo Antifa something. I don't know. I've, (laughs) I've had people make, I've had other men in, Small towns make very weird comments about me having long hair. Stuff that I wouldn't think twice about. 
but like they're very uncomfortable with just the fact that my hair is kind of long. It's <laughs> a weird thing. It's like a confidence in yourself is like just frowned upon there or something. I don't know. That's <laughs> very odd. Uh, but there is like, especially in the South and in more rural cultures, it tends to be masculinity is a very honor-based system. It's about standing up for yourself, about not showing weakness, about, you know, not allowing anyone else to disrespect you. you. And in those, some of those groups, you know, just having long hair is feminine. Like that's mm. like it's outward display of, you know, uh, almost, I don't know if weakness is the right word. Vulnerability. I don't know if that's like the right you're showing, word. You're, you're showing that you like have emotion. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of the same. I'm like thinking of weakness too. I can't even think of another word. I was like, I don't know what to. But it's a, it's a rejection of sort of the hyper-masculine stereotypes that exist in those towns. So, I mean, in that rejection, some people take as judgment on their lives and in their lifestyles. Mm. That is interesting that people do that, like apply, apply like other people's things directly to themselves. And it's like sure. makes them like feel a, such a way that they have to, you know, say something about it or like approach you or like all the videos of like these, uh, these like elderly white women on their cell phones, like in front of people's cars because they're in their neighborhood because they're doing their job, you know, and they're freaking out because someone's in their neighborhood that's a stranger and they just are out like causing an entire disruption. It's like, I just, I try to think about what's going on in their brain and I'm like, they, it's like, they're just so afraid of, like, they're just so afraid. Like they're just in their house afraid. Like everything they're watching and looking at is just making them like afraid of everything. Absolutely. It's, it's crazy. It is. I mean, especially conservatives in general uh, have a harder time with empathy. Uh, and especially with empathy from people who are outside their specific group, whether that's racial or social or you know religious. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to have very strong in-group connections, but a lot of superstition, I mean, not superstition, suspicion those are different words <laughs> based like like you were saying based on that fear of outsiders of people who are different than them that they don't understand mm-hmm. and, you know you have fox news and newsmax and breitbart and all these places that are you know playing to those fears and reinforcing those fears that they're all you know marxists and socialists and trying to destroy your way of life it just I mean, it works. Those companies are worth billions of dollars. Yeah. It's not exactly good for them. It is interesting to watch, like, how they just take just the right spin on something to just make you just kind of go, what the... Like, (laughs) you're just like, what the fuck? Like, you just... But you can also be just exactly on the other... Like, they just divide. It's crazy how they can just divide it right in the perfect way to where there's just two arguments now. It's kind of crazy, actually. I, I was... I was like, I did this with my uncle um, while I was home. And uh, we've done this before, too. But 
he'll type something in his phone and I'll type something in my phone on Google. And I always like to look at the different uh, results and, and really? see like what we both get. Cause it is like just wild, like from what we look at on our phones and stuff. And we like, uh-huh. you know, just compare what we look at and like, even on like certain news stuff, just like what's filtered for us. And it's like, see, dude, like I'm not, I don't even see that stuff and you don't even see what I see. This is, it's, it's interesting. It's just like, I wonder, like, I love to do that with more people and just be like, like, what are you seeing on your, like, it's like looking at somebody's explore page on Instagram, you know, like, 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 sure. like what does yours look like? And it's like, <laughs> you can just tell right away, like what they're just scrolling through and staring at all day. Like, I mean, that's how those companies make money by getting eyeballs on their mm-hmm. stuff and get eyeballs by showing people what they want to see. Like a comedian telling people what they want to yeah. hear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Comes full circle. <laughs> uh, during the during the pandemic, did you like did you take to doing like Zoom comedy at all or were you kind of uh, removed from from that? I tried it a little bit. Like I really, I was at the beginning, like the first couple months of the pandemic, I really kind of immersed myself in stand up. Like I was, like I mentioned, that's when I was doing the re editing of the album. Months. Uh, I watched a couple stand up documentaries. I think there's a, there was a series on Hulu or Prime, maybe. I think it was on Prime about comics preparing for. Uh, JFL mm. just laughs the big festival in Montreal. Oh, yeah. um, I watched a couple documentaries. There was I watched uh, Crashing Pete Holmes' show. So for probably like the first three months, like I was trying to fill that stand-up void because I wasn't sure how long it was going to last. Then after about three months, I was like, "Well, we're going to be here a while. Yeah. <laughs> I got to." <laughs> So I did a few Zoom shows, but they were so bad. They're so terrible. I mean, it's really there's there's about a two or three second delay uh, on Zoom. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of doing shows at dispensaries where everybody's just super <laughs> high. They're just <laughs> like those sh- the comedy. It really is about timing. That's sort of the you know the old cliche. There's nothing more awkward than waiting for a laugh that doesn't come. And that's how doing dispensary shows feels. Like you tell a joke, wait five seconds, nothing happens. You start into the next joke. And then halfway through the next joke, the audience catches up to what you were saying 10 <laughs> seconds ago. Big laugh in the They're middle like, of oh, some unrelated fuck, sentence. He was right, dude. <laughs> and that's how I felt with Zoom. I was like, okay, you need this extra pause give people time to laugh, assuming that anyone has their microphone turned on. Like, oh, we've got 80 people tonight. Cool. One of them has their microphone on. So I'm just telling jokes to my own face in my computer screen with no reaction. Why are any of the rest of us here? This is this is pointless. Yeah. The, and then you're like, can you unmute? And then no one, has, no one knows how to unmute. And they're like, what do you mean? Except for you with the vacuum cleaner running. Can you yeah. remute? <laughs> The dog's barking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not enjoy my time with Zoom. I'll say that. Uh, so I did a few of them, but uh, not a lot. Um, 
Did, was there like uh, I noticed there was some like outdoors kind of like outdoor shows going on like kind of like driving stuff in the Bay Area uh, during like kind of in the early couple of months. Did you were you able to hop on any of that stuff at all? Um, I didn't start. Um, there's a little bit. There was stuff that kind of started up again like late summer. Mm-hmm. For some people who were doing outdoor open mics, just nonstop and the entire way through the pandemic, like in, like in March and April when nobody was sure how bad it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, those people, there weren't any good comics who were doing that. There were, it was like, I'm not sure what the motivation was. It was just, I think it's a lot of just sort of the contrarian nature of stand up comics in general. Rebellion. Uh, yeah. So I didn't, I was supposed to do a couple things like in, June or July, but they all ended up falling through. Did you know Frosty Nugs? Um, a couple people have mentioned him on the podcast. I didn't. I didn't know him, but I've heard some some good stories. So he, I mean, Frosty was Frosty died. Uh, I think last year. I think it was a burst appendix. Um, but he was a uh, he was a guy who he ran a weekly open mic in Oakland. He kind of produced shows in San Francisco and Oakland. And he was a very enthusiastic, uh, but not necessarily skilled promoter Mm -hmm. uh, who never let any of his failings get in the way of his enthusiasm. So so during the summer, uh, there was an alley behind the building where he was, he had some space in that building. I'm not sure if it was for his catering business or something. Mm -hmm. There's behind his building. And uh, he decided to turn that alley into an outdoor comedy club. So he did like a week of shows there. Uh, like a full weekend, I think, Kabir headlines, like two Fridays and two Saturdays. And they might have done like a Wednesday and a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Scheduled there the second week. This is a guy who, like, he bought T-shirts for his venue. <laughs> like, he bought, he made merch for his back alley comedy show. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> He did not ask permission from his landlord. So he did a weekend of shows, and then his landlord confiscated his all, all his equipment, locked off the, the back alley, hired a security guard to go back there. So I show up. I'm supposed to headline the second. <laughs> we get to the venue, yeah. and we can't get in. Like, they won't let us in. <laughs> so there's like 20 of us standing outside this this gated off fenced off you know back alley yeah. talking to the security guard and they're like you can't come in here um so that was that was frosty <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> those comedy plans <laughs> that is funny it was man he was so ridiculous i mean he was he was an interesting guy he was very generous to his friends like he uh he worked at a catering business and during his open mic like he would bring leftovers from his company so he'd basically feed all the comics oh nice you know and there are a lot of very broke comics there are a lot of comics especially in the bay area like living out of their cars so like for them to get like a like a good you know Solid meal is meal, not yeah. a small thing that's awesome he was definitely helping people out but, uh, yeah that was the first thing i was supposed to do and then uh, once things opened up again, like in November, I did a few shows, and then 
we shut down again over December mm-hmm. and there were, I don't know how they were down by you guys, but in the Bay area, like everything was completely shut down for like two months. There was like a, yeah, we kind of went back January. up. I remember that a little bit. It was like yeah. stuff was kind of closed down again, but yeah. So after, oh. after the reopening in January, February, I started, you know, doing shows regularly again. Well, that was all outdoor stuff. Nice. And we door shows until June, I think. Yeah, it's like we were, uh, I think, yeah, June was when we were got the okay to, because I was doing it in like, a, they had this little, at the show in Salinas, we were doing it in like this little beer garden, kind of like a little outdoor thing for a while too, which was cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like, and I've noticed too, like I think Monterey County is kind of, they're like as far as like the tra- the trail of like what's happening. I feel like San Francisco is like the strictest, and then it's kind of like flows, you know, Santa Cruz, and then down here kind of gets like the like residual. Like we're like a, I don't know, like we're like kind of on a delay or something. I think I think I don't know, or just no. it's just not as populated. I think too. Yeah, I mean, you definitely don't have the density of you know. Some of the cities in the Bay Area, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think is Selena still the biggest city in Monterey County. I think so. Yeah, yeah it's probably hundred thirty thousand, something like yeah. that. I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. I, when I was like, when I first moved there, I tried to go to Costco on Sunday afternoon, and I had no idea. And I went out, walked in there, and I was just like, you "Never go to a Costco on a weekend." <laughs> what? Is, what is wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> I was like, what? It, what? I, I couldn't get I, like the lines were all the way back into like the like where like the clothes are. And yeah, stuff. it's insane. It's just insane. It's not. I just left. I, I like. <laughs> I was gonna get like two things, and I was like, I don't. I I, I can't. This is not worth it. <laughs> no, you, there. You can't quickly stop in a Costco to grab some stuff. That's that's no. That was a mistake. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, well, listen, Matt, this has been, uh, really cool. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you coming oh, on sure. the show today. Um, I want to like yeah. give you a chance to like plug all your stuff, let people know like where they can go get your album and, and everything else. Sure. Um, uh, my website, mattgubster.com has links to upcoming shows, although that's, I mean, I've had so much stuff canceled this fall. It's all sort of, uh, you know, speculative at this point, it feels like. Um, new album just released a couple of weeks ago, weeks ago, hit number two on Amazon Music on the comedy oh, nice. charts. So doing all right. Um, it's everywhere. The album's called Before He Was Famous. Uh, it's, you know, on Spotify and Pandora and Apple Music and Google Play and Tidal and everywhere. Um, you can find those links on my website or just, you know, type in Matt Gubser into those into whatever your respective music player is. And my first album's up there too. So and that's that's called Daddy Issues, right? Yes. Yeah. That one is Daddy Issues. Um yeah, and I'll be down in Salinas in a year show in October. Yeah, right? yeah like, October. Yeah. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Um you know, if, if hopefully, I mean, I, I'm really hoping that this Delta, I, the curves going down is what I was told yesterday by somebody. So, oh, that's, uh, you know, it's all we can hope. I'm sure there'll be a new one by then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, probably, man. Well, yeah, like I said, dude, thank you for coming on today. This is really awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad we were able to finally figure this out. <laughs> All right, take care. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please make sure to like and subscribe on any platform you're on right now and head over to Instagram or Facebook. Give the page at I'm Getting There Pod a follow to continue to stay updated on this. And we'll see you next time.